Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. It's time for Rotto to run through his top 10 must-have games for Gen Con 2022. This is going to be a very quick list, although, oh man, it took me a long time to make it. I have spent, I don't know how many hours pouring over Eric Martin's excellent Gen Con 2022 preview that you can find on BoardGameGeek. There's a link for that down in the show notes. Eric Martin does amazing work. Uh, we are all indebted to him. Eric, thank you very much. And uh, I wouldn't have been able to pull this list together without you. And this is going to be a list of the 10 games that if I were at Indianapolis next week, I would ensure were in my suitcase before I left town. Although, to be fair, some of these games I actually already have. Some of them I've played in prototype form, but I just try to treat the entire preview as if I didn't have any of them and just judge them all individually based on what I know. And so, I'm about to count these down, but it's just going to be my top 10 games that you can actually purchase at the show. There are, at this point, like over 500 games on this preview that are there as uh, either playable demos or buyable games and expansions, all kinds of stuff. And here's the deal, folks. I just spent three hours recording an epically long monthly Rotto Ramble video where I went through almost the entire preview and dove deep, deep, deep. I talked about hundreds of games. Well, it took me three hours, so not surprisingly. And if you'd like to check out, out, maybe you want to consider supporting the show. You can hit that eye in the top right corner screen and head over to the Patreon page where Rambler level backers can check that out, plus a whole bunch of other Ramble videos, and get voting rights and uh, special thank you shoutouts, all kinds of stuff. Or, if you just want to stay on YouTube, down there um, below the video is a join button. If you join at the Morado level, every month you'll get a new Ramble, and you'll also get an exclusive run-through that I record just as an exclusive for folks who actually help me keep Rotto running. Right. Okay. So, advertisement over. Let's just actually talk about my personal top 10 must-have. And we'll start with number 10, Twilight Inscription, which probably a lot of people wouldn't expect from me. But I have to admit, I am very excited about this because this is the epic multi-hour, four, five, six, ten-hour-long game of Twilight Struggle distilled down into roll-and-write form. And you can get it done in under two hours. Now, this probably makes it the longest uh, playtime roll-and-write in the industry. And I gotta admit, that really makes me incredibly curious. How is this thing going to play? It's especially important because Twilight, um, Twilight Imperium traditionally is at least a three-player minimum game. So I've never been able to play it with just my wife. Now I'll be able to. You can also even play it solo. And wow, this game looks rich and deep. There is so much going on in it. I've just got to give this thing a try. Maybe it'll be an epic failure. I mean, uh, 90 minutes to two hour long for a roll and write? I don't know. But I mean, I've got to see this for myself. So that's number 10, Twilight Inscription. 
Then there was number nine, Marvel Remix. And I am very excited about this, folks. Everybody seems to love Fantasy Realms, which is an incredibly popular, fast-playing little fantasy uh, card hand management game where every turn you play a card and then you draw a card. And at the end of the game, whoever has the best hand of cards left over wins. It's incredibly simple, fast-playing, and I think it's great. But what could make it better? How about replacing the fantasy setting with Marvel characters? And as I understand it, they've actually changed the gameplay rules a little bit too to make it fit more with Marvel heroes and villains instead of fantasy uh, epic unicorns and dragons and whatnot. So this, I, I have played, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, Fantasy Realms. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So I definitely want to see how it changes and evolves with maybe my favorite um, uh, franchise of all time, Marvel superheroes. So that's number nine, Marvel Remix. Then there's number eight. Carnegie. And uh, we actually covered this. I have a run-through of it on the channel. But unfortunately, it was on Kickstarter. I was too busy to film it, so Shay did an excellent run-through and really convinced me that this is a game I must play. Not least of which because it's from one of my top 10 designers of all time, Javier Georges. And um, this seems like a very rich and interesting, heavy uh, economic simulation uh, about being an industrialist in the age of Carnegie, focusing on expanding your operations, but also focusing on trying to pass on a lot of your wealth to charitable donations. And the gameplay itself really focuses on the idea of when one player does an action, everybody else gets to follow, but in a new way I haven't seen before. A lot of people who have played this are really loving on it. This might make a lot of people's top tens of the year, and I just want to see it for myself. So that's number eight. Carnegie. Then there is number seven, Aeon's End Legacy of Gravehold, which uh, when I covered this when it was on Kickstarter, I likened to, well, again, coming back to Marvel references, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe Endgame equivalent in Aeon's End form. After I don't know how many years Aeon's End has been around, not quite a decade, they have brought all the characters back for one big final epic super story where um, you know, friendships are tested and, and you know, things come down to the wire and you just get a ton of Aeon's End goodness. Aeon's End is one of the best co-op fantasy games there is. One of the best deck builders there is. One of the best in several different metrics. I've loved everything about Aeon's End. And this new legacy of Gravehold, which is the second legacy box, is phenomenal. Some folks didn't like it, but hey, if you don't like legacy stuff, just ignore all of that. Open the box and treat it as a whole bunch of new content for Aeon's End. You don't have to play through the campaign if you don't want to, but Jen and I very much enjoyed it when we played it in prototype form. And so... I am the biggest fan of Aeon's End. And, you know, just because this was the end of, like, one epic chapter of the Aeon's End story doesn't mean we haven't gotten more Aeon's End. There is still more coming. But this is the biggest box of Aeon's End we've ever seen. More content than most other full boxes and expansions combined. It's amazing just what you get in this box. So it's number seven, Aeon's End Legacy of Gravehold. Then there is number six, the Isle of Cats Explore and Draw. And, oh my goodness, at this point, this is my favorite roll and write. And I love Roll and rights. Um, you know, I love all kinds of them, and this one just has uh, made it to the top because it has all the wonderful, deep polyomino tile lane gameplay of Isle of Cats, which is a game I absolutely adore, but simplified and streamlined down into an incredibly elegant, fast-playing, and surprisingly crunchy roll and write. You don't have to take my word for it. You can actually play it with me right now. If you do a Google search, or again, if you just follow the links down in the show notes, you can check out the run-through I did of this with Ruel Gaviola in an RVR episode, and you can print out and uh, a 
sheet of paper and play along with us and see if you can beat our score and decide for yourself if it's as much fun as I say. I think it is amazing. It's number six on the list, the Isle of Cats Explore and Draw. Then there's number five, Space Station Phoenix. Wow! This game kind of came out of nowhere and I think surprised everybody. At its heart, there are two halves of this game. There's sort of a worker placement portion where you are basically gathering and converting resources to be able to build a space station in orbit around the Earth uh, to make a habitat for alien um, emissaries who have come to engage in peaceful talks because... Earth has gotten its crap together. Hooray! And so we are all competing to make the best space station for the aliens. But the tricky thing is getting all those resources up into orbit is tough. And the best way we can get resources to actually make our space station is to destroy our um, worker placement cards. Uh, if I put a worker place a worker here, I can get the resources or I can use another worker to trash one of my worker placement slots so it can never be used again so I can get the resources to build a station. That's half of the game. Deciding... When are you going to stop using these worker placement spots and rip them apart to be able to build more of the space station? But then the other half of the game is the space station itself. The bigger your space station gets, this is an engine that you're building and you can run over and over again. So sooner or later, your space station is big enough and strong enough you don't need those worker placement spots anymore. It's a really clever game with tons of variability. Very impressed by it. Again, another one I've done a run-through for if you want to learn more about it. Number five, Space Station Phoenix. Then there is a number four, the Guild of Merchant Explorers. This one... I have a hard time imagining this won't make it into my top 10 games of the year. I love it so much. It is a game about slowly exploring. Um, and interestingly, sending your cubes over a map, getting further and further, exploring, trying to found new villages, make trade routes between cities, uh, find buried treasure, all kinds of stuff. But the thing is, every once in a while, there is a contraction where all your explorers have to come back to your capital city. And hopefully before that happens, you've made new outposts so that in the next round... You can expand from your capital city or from those other um, locations that you have set up for yourself. But what really drives the game is kind of a bingo-esque mechanism where there's a common deck of cards where we draw and that determines where we get to explore every round. But the important thing is occasionally, instead of just doing the same exploring as everybody else, I get to trigger a special power that only I have. And these special powers are the are incredibly powerful, game-breakingly powerful. And everybody has their own collection of unique, game-breakingly strong special powers that makes it so satisfying. There's a lot of push your luck in this game. There's a lot of really interesting strategy. There's a lot of replayability. The game comes with four different maps to explore. Absolutely adore my number four, the Guild of Merchant Explorers. Then there is number three, Ark Nova, which was actually my number two highest ranked game of 2021. And now it's uh, finally, it's been available you know, in fits and spurts, but now people will really be able to get their hands on it uh, at Gen Con. And yeah, it lives up to the hype. It is now in the top 10 games of all time on Board Game Geek, and I think it deserves that space. A wonderful, incredibly rich, crunchy, deep, and long Euro game about building wildlife conservancies and also uh, contributing a lot of your resources to wildlife uh, maintenance efforts out in the world. It has a wonderful story to tell. It's got incredibly rich gameplay, and again lives up to the hype. I absolutely adore it. My only complaint is it is a little bit on the long side, but while I'm playing, I am so completely wrapped up, I, I lose all track of time. It's an amazing accomplishment. But, even more so, I am so in love with number two on the list, Dog Lover, which uh, also made my top ten games of 20. 
21 when it came out in a very, very limited uh, release. But now it's going wide. And if you love dogs, you need to check this game out. If you have friends in your life who love dogs, you need to check this out as a gift for them. Because it is a wonderfully thematic uh, card drafting game where we are trying to uh, see to the welfare of dogs, trying to adopt them, and meet their needs based on their breed, based on their personality. And it's just got one of the most clever drafts inspired by a previous game from the same publisher, AEG. The old game was called Cat Lady. That was a great gateway. This is a gateway plus because it adds so many new extra elements and it's all about rescuing dogs. Cute, adorable dogs. But there is surprising depth in this game. And uh, yeah, I would, again, not want to leave Indianapolis without it. I love it so much. But again, I love dogs. Anyway, folks, one more. The number one on my list has got to be Planet Unknown. I covered this one. It was on Kickstarter a couple of years ago. It's finally now becoming available at retail, and this is a brilliant polyomino tile layer uh, about colonizing a brave new world, um, a, a planet unknown, by drafting tiles, laying them out, snapping them all together, you know, jigsaw puzzle-like. But as you're building your board uh, to explore this new planet, you're also creating the land that you can drive around on, because you've got these cute little buggies that drive around. And you're also working on different progress tracks for technology trees and kind of an engine-building thing. But what's most important that makes this game so special is the way you draft the tiles every round. Because in the center of the table is a literal Lazy Susan. you got to check out pictures of this game. It looks so cool. And the thing is, when it's your turn, you rotate that Lazy Susan to get the tile you want. And that means everybody else around the table gets a tile too. But it's the tile that you put in front of them when you were spinning the Lazy Susan. It's so much fun. It works on so many levels. It's absolutely phenomenal. It'd be my number one must-have of the show. And I've got to get a copy of this myself. I've only played the prototype. This is another strong candidate for best game of 2022, but I need to play the real thing. So you going to bring me back a copy, folks? Please let me know. Uh, but that's it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, it's not. That is not it. Because after I filmed this and was getting ready to uh, post it, I stopped to think, seven of the ten games I just talked about have been available at retail for weeks or even months. And uh, one more of them is actually scheduled to go into retail at the same time as Gen Con. So I really kind of felt like, while I stand by it, those would be my must-haves. I would not leave without them. Really, maybe I should spend a little bit of time talking about the games and focusing on the games that are actually debuting at Gen Con, at least in the North American market. And so, folks, I'm going to do a bonus Top 10 countdown. We are going to go at it one more time. Here's my Top 10 games debuting at Gen Con, starting with number 10. Acropolis, which I am very, very excited about because this is a tile laying game where you are spreading your tiles out but also upwards. And to look at it, it really gives me a Tuluva vibe, which is a classic old tile layer, one of the greats and a phenomenal game that Jen and I love, except it was so cutthroat because players were always trying to cut each other off building a common area. But now, with Acropolis, you have that same upward building with triominoes instead of uh, dominoes or poly 
polyominoes, triominoes that look really cool, um, you're building your own. So you're not messing with the other player. And I love Tuluva except for the cutthroat. So I'm hoping this gives me all the Tuluva I want without having to stomp on my opponent. So that's why I'm excited about Acropolis. Then there is Evergreen. And this is a game about trying to create the ideal planet with beautiful green biomes and all of that. And I'm predisposed to love that to that uh, particular subject matter, but that's not why I'm excited about this game. It's the designer, Yalma Hawk. Oh my gosh, where did this guy come from? Out of the blue, his background, he was one of the co-designers of Railroad Inc. and King's Dilemma, which I'd love to play someday. Photosynthesis, I've heard, is amazing. And it didn't get quite as much attention, but Kick-Ass, from Cool Mini or Not, was a phenomenal design uh, that Yalma had a, 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 a you know part of bringing to us. So, a beautiful-looking game with a really wonderful theme from a hot up-and-coming designer makes Evergreen a very interesting title for me. Then there is Fife. And oh my gosh, at first I kind of brushed this off as, oh, I'm sure this will be a nice puzzly little tile layer. I look forward to trying it someday. But um, then when I actually looked at how it works, it gave me real vibes of Village Green. The idea of filling up my grid, my 5x5 grid of tiles, but at the same time also putting tiles on the outskirts that define how I score the rows and columns simultaneously. That was amazing in Village Green and I look forward to it here. Especially when I was reading um, some reports from testers and early players of the game, and one person said it really gave them the feeling of Calico with its crunchiness. And oh my gosh, Calico is amazing. So you mentioned Calico referencing another tile there, and I am there, which is why I would definitely want to check out the debut of Fife. Then there is Gartenbau, which I actually covered a few years ago when it was on Kickstarter, and I thought it was such a lovely card patchwork game where you are playing cards on top of other cards and underneath other cards and covering things up and whatnot to make the right patterns to be able to do proper tiling. I thought it was a brilliant game. It didn't do very well on its first uh, go-round in crowdfunding, I think in part because... I like the art, but a lot of people didn't. Well, um, it has now been picked up for a much more beautiful presentation, and people will finally be able to see what I saw a couple of years ago when I first got a chance to play number seven, Gartenbau. Okay, then there is Old London Bridge at number six. And I covered this when it was on Kickstarter too. So I was super duper impressed by this. There is an incredible amount of tension in this game where we are trying to build Old London Bridge, uh, but more importantly, trying to put businesses on Old London Bridge. And they have to be in ascending order unless you want to waste an entire term uh, basically resetting the straight that you are trying to build. It's got a lot of clever mechanisms in it. Um, with a lot of really great tension woven throughout. And that's no surprise because it's co-designed by one of the OG designers known for quirky offbeat designs, Leo Colavini. This is like a big return to form for Leo. And I was so excited to see that with his co-designer, Gabriel um, Bubos, uh, he really knocked it out of the park. Jen and I were both really surprised by how much we loved Old London Bridge. And so now it's going to be available at Gen Con as a debut. Then there's number five, Dice Hospital ER. And the ER stands for Emergency Roll. Now, Gen I really, really liked 
Dice Hospital when it came out a long time ago. But then we were super duper impressed when the dice drafting of it was transposed into um, Dice Theme Park, which by the way is also debuting at the show. Little side extra bonus. Dice Theme Park is amazing. So the publisher Alley Cat Games knew they had something great um, and then they made it even better by bringing on new designers and now they're revisiting Dice Hospital, bringing on a second set of designers. One of my favorite pairs of designers in the industry, Dunstan and Gilbert to turn the original Dice Hospital into a roll and write. And considering how much the game evolved from Dice Hospital to Dice Theme Park, I am hoping to see a comparable level of evolution which will probably be necessary to turn a board game into a roll and write. And like I said, I've always been impressed by the uh, the fundamental dice drafting that has driven this entire series so far. And I like to see how new designers coming in have found new and interesting ways. It started with Stan Kardonsky and Dice Hospital. Let's see what the Dunstan and Gilbert come up with uh, after. Uh, 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 Andrews and Adamescu, or you know, Daryl Andrews and Adrian Adamescu, uh, did uh, Dice Theme Park. Anyway, so I'm excited. I love rolling rights. I love saving people's lives. So what's not to love about number five, Dice Hospital Emergency Roll? Then there's number four. Uh, Catherine, or I'm sorry, nope, nope. Number four is Terracotta Army. Spoiler alert for number three. And uh, Terracotta Army is phenomenal. I'm really, really a fan of it. Jen, I've already played an early prototype of it, and um, this has got to be one of the freshest new takes on... um Oh, worker placement I've seen in quite a while. Although it does, um, uh, you know, it is reminiscent of a game that came out a few years ago called Barbarians. It's this idea of having three dials that can be rotated independently that will, and that line up so that when you place your worker, you're doing three specific actions. But because those dials can be rotated and often are by the player or the game itself, your worker placement options are very dynamically changing throughout. And you might think, oh, I'm not going to be able to do something good next turn until somebody else changes the wheel, and then you can change it a little bit more, and then suddenly you're going to have the perfect turn. And it's all towards building the Terracotta Army, which um, has like at any given time, three or four levels of area majority going on that you are trying to resolve with every statue you build. Normally, I'm not that big a fan of area majority, but here, it worked pretty well for us. And uh, we were really surprised. You can watch my run-through to see a bit more about it. Number three, debuting at the show, Terracotta Army. Then, number... I'm sorry, that was number four. Number three, Catherine, uh, Cities of the Saracena. Uh, I believe I pronounced that right, although I could be wrong. But, oh my gosh. Um, at first, I wasn't sure to be excited about this. I knew it was going to be interesting because of Capstone. But, after I watched uh, Kimberly Tolson's top 10 most anticipated games of Gen Con. Uh, Timberly Tolson is a phenomenal um, board game media person. She's got a great channel. Uh, there's a link for her down in the show notes. Or you can hit that eye to go watch her top 10 after you're done with mine. Oh, this is fast becoming a bigger thing than a top 10. She explained uh, very quickly and easily what makes Catherine uh, interesting and unique. And wow! I'm very interested in it now because the notion of it is every turn you draw two cards and or, and you're to add to your hand and you're going to play two cards. Um, and one of them goes onto the main row, which is all the different actions you can do. And one of the other card will go underneath one of the cards you played on a previous turn. And if the card that goes underneath matches the suit of the card above, then you'll get to activate the card above. 
That sounds really simple, but I can imagine that being incredibly, mind-bogglingly cool with all kinds of tension and tough decisions and compromises to make of, well, okay, I really want to set this up for being able to do it later, but I could use it now to activate this other card that I played two turns ago that I've been waiting desperately to play. It sounds super-duper cool, um, which is why I'm so excited about the debut of Catherine, City of Sestrina. Then we move on to one I've already talked about, folks. Twilight Inscription is still debuting at Gen Con. And before I showed you the front of the box, look at the back of the box! Look at all of this stuff! No wonder it's going to take 90 minutes to play this thing as a roll and write. And I'm still mind-boggled and excited about it. And, um, let's see. Oops. I was going to put Marvel Remix on the list, but then I found out that Marvel Remix is going to be going to retail right around the same time as Gen Con, so I forgot to remove it from the list. Uh, but just a reminder, I'm excited about it too, but uh, even more excited about Planet Unknown, which has gone out to uh, backers, and some folks have been able to get early copies of it, but Gen Con is where you're going to be, or it's really going to be available wide for the first time. And then it will be available at retail for a while. I've already talked about why. I cannot stress how good this game is, how much I want it. This, more than anything else, is the reason I am very, very sad I am not going to Gen Con this year because there is no way I would not um, knock all of you out of the way to get myself a copy. I think they've got the Deluxe Edition there as well. I'm not quite sure about that, but regardless, Deluxe, regular, I've got to have some Planet Unknown in my life. And that's it, folks. Okay, uh, I, I called an audible, did a little bit of overtime, and now... So what is that? That's... I don't know. That's over 20 games I've talked about now, I think. Or give or take. I, I've lost track. But anyway... A lot of really fun stuff is going down in Indianapolis this year, and I hope you all have a very good time. But if you remember, if you'd like to hear a little bit more, uh, hit that I up in the top right corner of the screen to uh, check out Patreon options or hit the Join button down below, and you can watch my three-hour mega blowout where I go so deep into so many other games. And um, regardless, hopefully um, you have a great time at the show or a great time playing some of these games whenever you can get your hands on them because there's a lot of fun stuff coming. Uh, 2022 is far from over, folks. And that was it. That was the top 10 plus, I don't know, how many was it? I'm not quite sure. But uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye.